Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Lamentations, the third chapter. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it. To put one's mouth to to the dust, there may yet be hope. To give one's cheek to the smiter and be filled with insults. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People of God, let us join together and read responsibly whole verse by whole verse from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you restored me to health. You brought me up, O Lord, from the dead. You restored my life as I was going down to the grave. Sing praise to the Lord, all you faithful. Give thanks in holy remembrance. God's wrath is short. God's favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping spends the night, but joy comes in the morning. While I felt secure, I said, I shall never be disturbed. You, Lord, with your favor, made me as strong as the mountains. Then you hid your face, and I was filled with fear. I cried to you, O Lord. I pleaded with my Lord, saying, What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you or declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God. I will give you thanks forever. Our second reading this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Now, as you excel in everything, in in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this manner I am giving you my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. 
For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, The one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel this morning according to St. Mark, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes... I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhages stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and in trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still yet speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. 
He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. People of God, please be seated. And will you pray with me? Almighty God, pour out your abundance on us, your servants, that we may provide for the needs of those who have any. Pour out your abundance, O God, on your people, that in our every need they may rise to meet the occasion. Help us to share the gifts that you have given us, the gifts of your love, the gifts of your mercy, the gifts of your forgiveness. That in all things we may share this good news with the world and be raised up into your steadfast love forever. Bless us now in this time and in this space with the word that you have given us and the spirit you have poured out upon us. That it may be so and we may be the body of Christ raised up for the world. For all these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Interruptions. Life seems to be full of them. You, you get ready to sit down for a meal and the phone rings. You get ready to walk out the door and as soon as you open it, you realize that there's someone there knocking, waiting to ask you a question or maybe to sell something. Everything seems to be an interruption to Jesus and his mission in this reading from this morning. The the storm that he silenced in our reading from last week, the demons that he exercised from a man in the verses between that storm and this morning's text, even the healing and the resurrection miracles that he performed on these two women, it all seems to be filled with interruptions. In fact, we may be led to think that the way Jesus stops to find the person who touched his clothes in the middle of a crowd interrupts the urgent request to heal a religious official's daughter and results in her death. We're led to believe that had Jesus not stopped, had the crowd not been overwhelming, had he just kept going, this young woman would not have tasted death And would still be alive to receive a proper healing of her ailment. And yet for Jesus, none of this is an interruption to his mission at all. The unnamed woman who has suffered for 12 years at the hands of doctors who have tried everything to no avail. Who has spent her last dime paying healers and trying every new remedy available To ease her suffering is just as deserving of a miracle as this little girl on the brink of death who comes from a prominent, well-to-do family in the community. And Jesus, ever determined to continue the Father's work, will not be deterred. Even as his every move is surrounded by a throng of curious onlookers who press in on him from every side. 
For Jesus, there is no such thing as an interruption. And I think that's something wonderful about the way that God works in this world. There's another word here in this passage that we might easily overlook or even reject because of our our modern sensibilities or our convictions about medical science. Immediately. Immediately after touching Jesus' clothes, her hemorrhage stopped. And immediately... Jesus became aware that power had gone out from him. Immediately after taking the young woman's hand and instructing her to rise, the girl got up and began to walk about. For 12 years, one had suffered in anguish, and after 12 years, another had breathed her last. And yet after all of that time and all that had been done for these two women, What Jesus offered was immediate relief from their suffering and an uninterrupted freedom from their bondage to illness and death. Therein, I think, lies the miracle. In the healing of the woman suffering from hemorrhages and in raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus demonstrates his power, God's power. Over the ravages of disease, the the grief of loss, and the very grip of death itself. Healing comes immediately after years of setbacks, interruptions, and longing. And so what might that mean for us who have similar longings for wholeness and salvation? What might that mean for us who press in around Jesus, clamoring to see the Lord and hear from the teacher's lips a word of hope and promise, bringing our own sickness and grief to his feet when only one among us receives her desperate wish satisfied? What might it mean For us, Jairus' entourage who receive news that wholeness has come too late and are convinced that we should sneak on away home and not further bother the teacher any longer. What might it mean for us who wail and mourn at the death of loved ones, unsure of what may come next now that life has been snatched away? What might it mean as parents trusted to care for our young that we were too late to act, no matter how hard we tried to move heaven and earth otherwise? We see then that it was not only these two women who were immediately healed, but those gathered around them, family and strangers alike, The woman suffering from hemorrhages would have been expected to excuse herself from the life of the community because of her affliction. Cut off from neighbors and families and friends for fear of contagion and ritual uncleanliness. She would have lived at the outskirts of the village. Moved around under the cover of darkness when the streets were empty. With no contact with anyone whatsoever. 
Neighbors who have maybe only seen her from afar had no clue that she had snuck into their midst to see Jesus at great risk to herself, possibly even enduring great pain to do so. And yet when Jesus recognizes the power that had left him, he looks to this child of God, fearful and trembling before him, and says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your disease. She doesn't have to hide away anymore. The people who have gone about their lives oblivious to her pain, oblivious to her existence, now can experience the value of her companionship. And she, the support of a community now made whole. The same with the family, friends, neighbors, and acquaintances of this young girl that Jesus raised from the dead. Their grief is turned to joy. Their pain is turned to comfort. Their loss turned to gain that was beforehand thought to be unimaginable. Restored to the life of community. These women may now tell the story of what God has done for them for the rest of their lives. God has done what no one else can. God has brought life out of death. God has restored us to one another when we didn't even know we were estranged. God has provided us the opportunity to live each day as a gift a credit we did not earn, and an opportunity we never thought we might have. As our own bodies fail us from chronic illness, grief, disease, the the gift of healing surrounds us by the presence of the Holy Spirit, reaching us in ways that we may have never thought possible. And while some illness may indeed take time to heal, and while some illness may indeed lay claim to our lives, we should not spurn the immediate, uninterrupted ways in which God raises us up to experience new life here and now. We have the gift to meet neighbors we never knew we had. We have the gift to share with them the healing work that God does in us to cure the sick, to feed the hungry, and to tend to the poor and the grief-stricken. We have the gift to tell others of Jesus and his great love for us, pointing to the resurrection hope that even when we fall asleep, even when we fall asleep, we will be raised up to new and eternal life. Hungry for the Lamb's high feast of eternal worship and praise to the living God. Do not fear. God has done great things among us. Let us trust in the resurrection life of Jesus and give thanks for this promise of uninterrupted healing, wholeness, and restoration. Amen.